Hey everybody, it's Chris and Rick Talk Guitars. Uh, today we want to talk about kind of the mythology about some pieces of gear. I mean, there's mythology about most pieces of gear when we talk about this stuff, but particularly kind of stuff like the Klon pedal and the Dumble amp, uh, to name a couple. But Chris and I will just kind of talk about kind of our perception of these these kind of mythological pieces of gear and kind of the psychology and, and also some facts about some of this stuff. Chris is the guy that goes down the rabbit hole. I follow as a, as a tag along uh, and throw spit wads at him behind his head. But Chris, um, why don't you start off? Let's talk about the clon and what does the clon mean to you? The clon, I first became familiar with it in the nineties when I was working at a guitar shop and huh. I'm one of the guitar players down there. He was way into it. Honestly, I, w- I didn't really pay that much attention to it other than say, oh, it's an interesting looking pedal. That was when I was first introduced to it. And then over the years, you know, digging around on the web, it's, it's come up a bunch of times. But you know what? I never really gave it that much thought. And then recently I happened to see like what the pedal's going for. <laughs> that piqued my interest because I'm a fan of, you know, I'm not really a huge pedal guy. I have like two pedals that I pretty much use all the time but i have a board that's got maybe about six of them that i'll use sometimes but i love pedals and the thing i love about pedals is i love pedal lore i love pedal drama i love all this pedal related stuff and this the clon comes with a whole shitload of baggage of drama and mythology and internet fighting and everything else yeah it's a fascinating pedal that was a winded way of saying um i was familiar with it Became familiar with it in the 90s and I've never heard it, but I'm fascinated by it. How about you? Yeah, um, I think a similar journey for me. I, it came on my radar way back when and I didn't pay much attention either. But I do know I have heard them live. A buddy of ours is a big clown fan and and it's part of his setup. And I've seen him live a couple of times and he does get great tone when he's got that that pedal on. And then when you and I were talking about this, I went online and looked at some shootouts between the Klon and, and other pedals. And, and I got to say, I mean, it, it does sound good. And, and, and again, for those who don't know, maybe, you know, and those who do know the, ins- the, the inspiration for this pedal was the guy wanted to build a pedal that sounded like an overdriven amp, essentially. Is that right? Yeah. And yeah, retained all the characteristics of your amp. Yeah, the harmonic, yeah, the harmonic goodness and all that other stuff of an amp and replicate that as much as possible. And I think, I mean, it's a pretty cool pedal for that, I guess. But as you and I are talking about, these things became legendary and there's there's all kinds of lore about them. And and now, like the the, the early original ones, the price tags are just insane for these things. I mean, comparable to buying like a black panel fender amp or a couple of them. I just saw one on reverb that with a low serial number that went for almost 10 grand. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but Hey, I mean, if that's your jam and you got the dough, but let's talk about that because that's like a lot of people's and it's kind of a natural reaction. I think to anybody, the reaction when they hear something like that, they go, why would I spend that much on a pedal when I could get like two amps that sound good already instead of using a pedal to make my amp sound good or whatever. And that's, I mean, that's a valid knee jerk reaction, but the thing of it is, is part of the reason behind its legendary status is there's only so many of them. So, you know, someone that says, why would you do that when you can't, you know, I'll get up, 
you know, you can get a Tweed Super and a Tweed, you know, Harvard or just a couple of classic, like great amps for that. But you're not going to get a clone. You know, that's it. And that's what I think a lot of people's thinking is, is like it, it became its own thing. You know, it's up there with like, you know, the Tweed basement and stuff like that. It's, it's a legendary piece of gear. So I can definitely see someone's thinking like, yeah, I don't care. I mean, I can get these two amps or I can get a guitar. I can get this other stuff. But I want this thing. I want what it is. Yeah. So I think that's it. But for a lot of us, we're like, no, I'm just I see where I could put my money to be have much more musical fun than that. But it is. I mean, it's mind blowing. And I'm, I'm just looking at the sold listings um, on Reverb and the ones that go for the most money have super low serial numbers. There are a bunch of fakes on there. Now, if you look, you'll see a bunch of them claiming to be from the 90s that look exactly the same. And they're like sixteen hundred bucks or something. That's not a real one. Right. So. So, yeah, I mean, and how did it get to be this type of pedal? I mean, there's a lot of hype behind it. And there's a lot of like the design. Let's talk about the design for a second. Yeah. This is something I'm really fascinated about. I think it's a beautiful design. The pedal, when you think about the pedal landscape, when it came out, there was nothing that looked like it. It's it's big. It's you know it's a cool color that like the choice of knobs, like the LED position, everything about it yeah. is. I think to me, I find a, a really great design. I mean, yeah. I think it stands out. It's great. It's solid. The inside, the way it's laid out, is really clean. I like that the the early run of this pedal, we were still were using you know we were still using the the good switches and you know switchcraft jacks and um, the Carling switches. Everything is really solid and, you know, kind of point to point wired. That was like the la- the last era of when you had that good shit. And then the whole boutique industry swept in and went to that, that stupid switch like, and true bypass became a thing. So that dude who made the clone, it's not a true bypass. It's got a kind of a unique buffer in it. Um, so it's a buffered pedal. And I like that about it. And it's something interesting on the true bypass thing, which we can get into a little bit later is it, the um, designer made a new pedal. I don't know how many, how long ago, but it was supposed to be an affordable version. It's called the KTR. Uh-huh. And he has the option of a switch between true bypass and buffered bypass. But it, his own thinking, which kind of parallels me, is you want buffered bypassing. The whole true bypassing thing is bullshit. You know what I mean? I agree. So, and he said one of the reasons he put it in there is so people can A, B it. The problem with two bypass pedals is if you get a number of them together and, you know, look at people's pedal board, it's all true bypass. You're losing all this high end and body and everything else. So he put the switch on there partly to satisfy the market, which still demands true bypass, which yeah. is super annoying. And he also said it's a great way to, to test. He says, hook it up, switch it to bypass, you know, true bypass and switch it to buffered bypass. And you'll hear the difference depending on how much cable you have. It's yeah. like the nearly always a, buffer, a good buffered bypass is better than a true bypass. So I like that about it. What else? And there's one super controversial part of the innards is the gooping. He was one of those goopers, which to explain gooping is you encase the entire circuit, circuit board and everything in epoxy, like black epoxy so you can't read the values of the components and we should talk about that for a moment because that's something that adds to this whole pedal drama that i'm, I'm really fascinated with <laughs> so what were your thoughts on taking a pedal and encasing the components in epoxy so that you can't read the components and figure out the circuit 
Well, I think like you and I have talked about before, a lot of these circuits are based on other circuits. So to me, it's kind of like bullshit. It's like, you know, you started with a circuit, you know, from a tube screamer essentially and made some tweaks. And now, now it's your circuit, which I I guess is, that's valid and cool, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a person that's into transparency in all levels. So, I mean, if I buy a pedal, I want to see what's in there and I want to see, you know, without it being all gooped up. And that's just the, kind of the way I fall on it. How do you feel about it? I think well, I'm a person who like forever, even before I, I built pedals, I was like someone who like, liked to take care of their own gear. Yeah. So if something goes bad, I want to be able to change it and whatnot. And it's a beautiful, and that's the thing too. The circuit is beautiful in every other way. So it would be even greater to see that. The only thing that I can think of that the gooping of that pedal did was make it a little add to the hype machine that yeah. it was. So it'd be interesting to see if it, if it would have been as popular, if not, that was just one element that added to it. Yeah. My thinking, and I could be completely wrong is that pedal probably, it would have like had a, a people would have loved it anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it's like, it's, it sounds the way it does. And you know, it would have, I mean, with your design, and the way that you did it, it should have been pretty successful, but I don't think it would have been as successful. So I don't know. I, I think it's a I think it's a shitty practice that, you know, I mean, and the thing of it is, if you look at the circuit, when because this thing was actually cloned in 2009, someone dug all of that shit off of there, like scraped it all off and, and you know, reverse engineered it and made a schematic. And when you look at it, the um, DOD preamp overdrive 250 is a great part of its circuit is like one component. There's other completely unique things to that circuit, which is another cool thing about that circuit. But at its heart, there's a DOD 250 in there. You know what I mean? So what happens if DOD would have gooped their pedal? You know? Right, right. If you come up with that, I don't know. But I will say while we're talking about the circuit, another thing that I found fascinating about that pedal is I think that the designer did really well in, he worked with two engineers that were in no way associated with music. And I think that helped him come up with the, the unique parts of that circuit because he's just bouncing purely electrical engineering ideas off these guys. And he's taking his musician working ideas and he's filtering through them. And they're not like, they haven't been looking at tube screamers and, you know, fuzz boxes and all this shit. So they're giving him stuff that just pure like science. Right. And he's taking that and rolling in his pedal. And I kind of think that that may have, helped make that because like i said that circuit is it's not a tube screamer it's not a an overdrive preamp but it does have elements that it shares with a bunch of classic pedals because it's a pedal and they you know electricity and pedals you know they all share things like you know think about the fender champ the the first champs that came from an rca manual you know like a a tube manual here's a circuit and and leo fender took that and he made these classic amps from that. So what if RCA would have been gooping their circuits, you know, right. we'd be, we'd all be playing crates or something. I don't know. <laughs> but No, but I think that's an interesting thing you brought up about like just early manufacturing of pedals, just by companies that none of them goop their, their circuits or anything else. And yeah, I think it's interesting to think about that, that that became a thing within the boutique industry to protect their quote intellectual property. But, uh, but the basis for their pedal was some other circuit that they started with like the DOD or whatever it was. To be fair, there are some sixties pedals that did that. And some of them may have even been just to encase everything to keep it from, you know, right. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. 
And but some of them may have been because there were some of them were opaque black black gook. I think some of the early fuzz pedals, some Japanese effects too. I think I've seen yeah. some before. And there is a way to, you know, a lot of especially pedals that have large components to kind of keep them from rattling around. But there's things you can use that don't, you know, obscure yeah. the details. Another thing that's interesting, I mentioned that it got cloned in 2009 when they they peeled all the gook back. There was still one area where everyone was wasn't sure because there was like the diodes the clipping diodes uh-huh. the diodes in there um they couldn't read what they were so that became this whole level of like mythology surrounding what are these where are these diodes and so people were just like they would try a bunch of them oh right right and you know this one sounds close but they didn't know so that just added to the old hype it's like you can't have one because you don't know what the diodes are so you got to get the real one and there's so much so many little things that just rolled out, you know, in areas with this pedal that added to the height to make it what it was. And even his affordable, the KTR, it's, it's really funny because he has something written on the, on the enclosure that a lot of people are offended by, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's where I forget the exact quote, but it's something that basically says, don't blame me for the hype associated with the claw. You know, I'm not responsible, but you, very much responsible it's like totally. the best it's like the best troll ever it's like <laughs> well, yeah you are even this everything is you know but i don't know it's great because one of the reasons i like these pedal pedal dramas you can find i've found a couple th- threads where the um the designer is in there talking to people and he seems like a cool guy but there is a little bit of that golly gee i didn't know that this was going to happen it's like yeah. you did and it was brilliant kind of the way that you did it yeah but no, it's, 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 I just find this stuff fascinating. It's like, you know, the Holy grail that everybody keeps looking for. And it's like, and it's not a thing, you know, it's, it's the way you play, you know, I mean, there's a million ways to get there. I mean, how many great records were made without the clown? Yeah. You know, yeah. How many great records were made without the Dumble amp? Yeah. A bunch of them, you know, but you know, then again, here I am. I've never played a Dumble. I've never played a clon. So, you know, some of me, I'm not, I don't want to speak to like that. It does have this magical, you know, little thing to it. Cause it, it probably does. I mean, it has something going on, Yeah. Uh, you know, but I'm more, way more into uh, just the mythology behind this and how it got to where it was because it's, it's fucking fascinating. Yeah. I, I think that is interesting too. I mean, one of the thing, the side effects that kind of frosts me at just as a, uh, a person that doesn't have a ton of money to spend on gear is like, how out of reach some pieces of gear become through this lore or the, or, you know, just becoming popular, you know, like, like you and I were turned on to music master bass amps for, you know, when in the, in the beginning stages of that kind of little phase. And even that little fad became a thing where now like you and I probably bought ours for 200 bucks or you got, well, you got yours as a trade, but when I was buying mine, they were really cheap. Yeah. Now they're getting kind of expensive, but I guess that's just the nature of things. Once the, once the genie's out of the bottle, but some of these things like the clon just becomes so ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous. Like to spend, I mean, I, I say that, but you know, if you have the money to buy it, that's great. But like some working musician out there who, who, but I don't know, just the fact that these things become out of reach, like guitars, especially too, like, you know, yeah. no, no working musicians ever going to be able to own a burst. Never. 
<laughs> and I've, you know, and I've made peace with that fact. And that's how I feel in the clone too. It's like, yeah, I'll find something else yeah, to get there and just appreciate. I mean, I appreciate a burst. I really appreciate yeah. it. I can look at the pictures of them and read about them. I love their stories and all that stuff. And it's like, I don't lose any sleep, you know, complaining that I'll never have one because it's just what it is. So it's, it's just Joe Bonamassa who will have them. So. <laughs> Well, I guess that's I, I, that's the way I think about it. Is they become they they become something other than a musical instrument. Right. I, they just no, that's probably that is kind of soulless to me, and and I don't know. But I, you're, you're right. I mean, you, you, it's not like it's it doesn't keep me up at night. It's just kind of one of those things that, as an old man shouting at clouds, it's just one of the things I I shout about. <laughs> well, one of the things about talking about the. the the sound that everybody loves about the clone. And one thing that always kind of makes me scratch my head a little is that people obsess over, you know, I want my amp only louder. You know what I mean? I don't want to add any artifacts or anything like that. It's like, just listen to fucking records. I mean, they're using for the guitar solo, they're using different guitars, different amps, different. I want something different when I do a solo or if I want a part to stand out, I want something that's totally fucking different. And that's, Kind of the whole point of me choosing like a boost overdrive thing. It's that's a big part yeah. of it for me. And the other thing they obsess about, and this goes back to the whole true bypass thing, is I remember one day I was sitting around, and I must have been bored because I had a, a loop pedal, you know, just a, a pedal to switch things in and out of a loop. Uh-huh. So I went my pedal board, my big pedal board, it's got I think eight pedals on it. Uh-huh. And then I went straight into my amp. So I'm like, you know, here's my guitar straight into my amp. I'm strumming it. It's like, oh, that sounds good. It sounds like my amp. And then I step on the pedal, my pedal board. I pull my pedal board in. And it loses a little bit of high end and maybe a little bit of body. It's real close. I mean, just touching the volume knob a little bit, it kind of puts it right back to where it was. And people obsess about that. It's like, and I'm like, my point is like, when I play live, the sound of my pedal board is what you're hearing. That's right. what I want my guitar to sound like. Right. I don't care what my my amp sounds like without the pedal board because it's like I'm I've just dialed my sound in and that's what I want. Yeah. So if you if if you remove that element from it, it's like you know I don't care. It's like I know in like recording, it's always garbage in, garbage out. You want to really get it right when you record it, and I guess the amp could kind of be like that. But it, it's it's like I don't care what's going in. I care what's coming out. Yeah, and if we're coming out is if if I'm getting what I want, you know, I don't care if I'm losing anything because of this. And yeah, and if those pedals, if those eight pedals were true bypass pedals, I'd be losing a lot. I mean, yeah. it, it would be way more dramatic with you know two chords and all the you know the chords between the pedals and eight true bypass pedals. Yeah, and that. So no, it's. I mean, there's different ways to think about. It. I mean, I just like. I love overdrives, but I don't, I don't, I don't have that much experience with them because I'm, I'm satisfied, but I like reading about them. I like, looking. Yeah. you know, the whole, I don't think I've ever owned a boutique pedal, but I love the boutique industry. I mean, I just love everything about it. I love the stories behind the companies. Yeah. I love the designs of the pedals, the whole, everything about it. I mean, it's just, I think it's a huge, like, it's a really cool you know, colorful thing that we have available to us as guitar players, but I'm not a boutique pedal guy. I mean, I don't, yeah. You know, I, my whole thing, and this is like the old guy sitting on his porch yelling at things. <laughs> all that shit just looks like it breaks. I mean, not, I'm, yeah. I'm not singling out any, you know, boutique companies. Just that where we are with where com- electrical components yeah. are at. Yeah. I mean, I saw the first thing I do when I see a pedal that I want to talk about or think, you know, 
or familiarize myself with is I look for a gut shot, a picture of the innards and how the pedal was put together. And I, that's where I saw the picture of the Klon, which is beautiful, I think. And then I saw a picture of the KTR, which is the affordable version of it, quotation marks. <laughs> and it just, I'm like, that pedal looks cheap. I'm sorry. I know that it's probably very high quality for the, the era that we're in, but to me, it looks cheap. Yes. And the, um, and the person that the, the, the designer of the Klon said, one of the things that he wanted is he wanted like uh, an easy way to change the switch. And it's there. There's a ribbon cable with a little snap clip where you can just pop out and put a new switch. And it's like, why do we have to have a quick, why don't we just get a good fucking switch? <laughs> that's where we're at. And that's another reason why I'm so anti-true bypass is that's where this whole switch thing came from. Uh, we started this like true bypass thing. There's these switches that, you know, you need to do true bypass, a special type of switch. And that's when that little blue switch came into play that always breaks that just, you know, and go back to the Carling switches that you use that are still working in all my seventies pedals, you know, yeah. it's like, instead of designing a pedal that makes it easy to replace something that fails is try to find something that doesn't fail or has a longer time between failing and not failing. Yeah. Like, you know, like 20 to 40 years, like on some of these old Carling switches. Yeah. So, that was a little rant we got in there. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, we'll talk um, about the Dumble. For I was really going to say, yeah, I was just going to bring up the Dumble. Um, I, I think I have played through a Dumble down at ECG maybe once. Uh, I saw a couple down there. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like, yeah, I mean, I guess for you, I guess you and I are are not the 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 target audience for a lot of this kind of gear. But well, that's what's interesting because I don't think I think a lot of people who are the target audience aren't really the target audience it's like, think about that amp think about when that amp was made and again i've never heard this amp i'm yeah. sure it's brilliant i'm, I'm yeah. sure it's fabulous it's like anybody that's played through it you watch them they're like this is god this is from another world it's whatever but everything that i like about an amplifier is not in that amp. i mean it was designed at a time when you wanted the amp to do a, a thousand things you know what i mean yeah. it's got switches and knobs and all this stuff and you know xlr outs and depending on the model and all this shit and it's like you know i want something with you know maybe maybe either a single vol a single tone control or maybe just bass mid and treble or something like that and you know a volume that's all i want in a tube amp anything else you're getting in the way of the tubes and you know that whole idea which still won't die i guess is that versatility in an amp. I want an amp that sounds like 5,000 different, you know, amps. Right. It's like, I don't want that. I want an amp that sounds good. Yeah. I'll do the rest, you know, just give me something that sounds good. And, and that amp just, it's from an era when they were, when amps were trying to do different things. Now, I mean, we've had this whole period where it's like, you know, class, let's get a classic tone and base it an amp around a classic tone. I think a lot of guitar players now, they just want an amp that's, based on a good sound. I think maybe I'm mistaken, but. Well, how do you think the lore of the Dumble came about? Like, that's another, like, I remember when that, those, the, my first entree into that was Stevie Ray Vaughan. Cause I was a big Stevie Ray right. Vaughan fan. And I, I noticed that he had a Dumble on stage and blah, blah, blah. And she was talking about it. And then sure enough, other big players were playing Dumbles and it be, kind of became a thing, but I don't know. I, I, I wonder how much of that stuff is really the, the quality of the product and as opposed to somehow just the, you know, hitting lightning in a bottle at, at a certain point in time. 
the rarity of it. I mean, that there was only so many of them made. And the thing that's interesting about the Dumble is the Dumble came about by Howard Dumble, I think his name is, being in a club and seeing it. It was one of the, one of the um, maybe it was Robin Ford, one, some jazzy guy. They saw him playing through a basement and a tube streamer. And he said, I want to make that sound. <laughs> so it came out of that sound. And it's like, well, you could probably use a basement and a tube screamer and get a pretty right. good sound too. Right. So no, it's the it's the rarest. And there's only so many of them made. Yeah. They were, you know, they were made for they're all different because they were made for specific players in mind. And that's really cool. I think that's really cool. But at the same time, let me ask you, which song of Stevie Ray Vaughan sounds better because it's was played in a dumble? Which yeah, could, yeah that's a great question. I couldn't tell you. I, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's just like you can make it work with what you have. And, yeah. you know, Stevie Ray Wong had it going on. So, I mean, and, but that's not to say, and we should talk about this too. There's a difference between going on YouTube and listening to sounds or the audience can't hear a different and stuff. The response of yeah. these, these things is completely there. I mean, Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know, you can listen to his records and say, this sound is my favorite song. It's like a, whatever he was playing Vibrolux or whatever he was playing. That's that sound. So that, yeah. But when he was plugged into that, as opposed to him plugged into a, a dumble, is a completely different story. You know what I mean? He may have been feeling it. So, yeah, talking about this A being like a cheap pedal in a clon is, is kind of worthless. I mean, it's interesting. But until you're plugged into it, you really, I mean, that's something that's totally different. Response is everything to me. I mean, it's the way you feel connect when you're connected to it. I mean, yeah. so it is hard to, you can't A, B that with sound clips. I mean. It's and I think that's a good point. I was going to bring that up before you did, or, or we're on the same page is that again, like all of this stuff is just like, it, it, exactly. It's like, to me, it doesn't matter what the audience member thinks or anything else. But if, if I, the player am inspired and jazzed about these pieces of gear that I've collected and I'm getting the sounds I want to get, and I'm, it, it's probably, it's going to inspire my playing and, and it's going to have an, a positive impact on me as a player. So but I'm like you too. I, and I think it's, it's just funny. I think this whole, the whole guitar and musical instrument world is just full of lore and full of, I mean, you and I have our own, you know, lore about certain pieces of gear or not necessarily lore maybe, but just uh, I, I've romanticized certain pieces of gear, I think because of, you know, our age and the kind of gear that was available when we were coming of age, you know, and, and what we were exposed to and what we played. So I think that plays into it too, is, is you know, these pieces of gear like the Klon or the Dumble also uh, might be, you know, signposts to other people when they were coming up and playing. And, and so that's meaningful for them. And also, like you say, the rarity of these things, which, you know, is kind of another psychology unto itself, which is just kind of this collector's um, mentality of like, well, there were only 200, like the bursts, like there were so few of those made. And, when they first came out, they couldn't give them away because nobody wanted them. But then all of a sudden they became a thing. And yeah, it is kind of fascinating how that works. But yeah, it's interesting because they became, nobody wanted them. They became a thing, but they became a thing because they were great fucking guitars. Well, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Knew. But so it's like, not like they made this dog that nobody wanted. And then suddenly somebody played it. Now everyone wants this dog. It's no, it's, and and another thing that should be pointed out with these two examples of of gear that's been super, super hyped is take the amps, the boutique industry. There's a lot in the boutique industry of somebody just going, you know, I'm going to make a basement or I'm going to make a Marshall or I'm going to make this. And they do it and they use good components, something else. You know, Dumble, 
And um, Flanagan, is that his name? The guy that did the Klon? I think, sorry if I get his name wrong, but they actually, they brought something to the table. You know what I mean? They like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. sure, there's elements of a Fender and Dumbo. You're going to find the OD250, DOD and the Klon, but it's not, you know, it's not the same thing. Yeah, and reading about the inception of the Klon, I was kind of impressed by the, that guy's desire to really create something that was unique and that did replicate, did come closer than other people have tried to um, in terms of replicating that, the, the harmonic richness of a, of a cranked amp through a pedal, you know, because lots of people have tried. And, and there are lots of great pedals still like that, that are tried and true that, you know, are great. But I, I kind of respect people who their intent is pure or not pure, but, you know, as, as pure as it can be in terms of this is what I want to do. And I'm going to really try to do this. And like you're saying, put my own spin on it and, 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 and create something rather than just cloning something else. But that's another thing I like what you touched on too, is I do think it's cool that people, well, it's kind of catch 22, but some people are trying to build, uh, things that maybe are more reliable than some old pieces of gear. Like, I mean, people have referenced Gretsch guitars as like one of the things they say about old Gretsches is that everyone is a prototype because they were all manufactured. So yeah. And then also like, like uh, I always hear about the echoplexes, like, you know, nobody wants to take an echoplex on the road because of that it'll break down. And so maybe there are newer versions of that or, 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 you know, digital versions that might come close. But so I think that's, I think I like people what, when they have intent, but like you're saying nowadays, it's hard to get components that are the same quality as, as the components people used in the old days in terms that were just run of the mill, you know, kind of military grade components that, that you could make stuff out of. So, yeah, they lasted forever. That's why there's still like so many, like, you know, fine amps from the sixties and fifties and the capacitors, the filter caps are still working and they haven't totally died. And now, I mean, but, you know, I'm basing a lot of my distrust of modern components from, you know, my brief stint of like hobby pedal building and a hobby yeah. amp building. And I just had poor experience with parts. But you know what? I, I didn't really look. I mean, you could probably source, you know, really high spec parts. And if they do that, that's great. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I put more trust in older stuff for some reason because it's, Partly because of that, what we stated, the components were, you know, underrated and they last a lot longer yeah. to the, just that I've had bad experience the other way. So it's like, I'm not, it's not a scientific study at all. It's just my, in my experience. It's crazy. Well, cool. Well, thanks again for listening again, as always, Chris and I appreciate it. Listen to us wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple podcasts, Spotify, whatever, Stitcher. Look for us on social media, Facebook, Instagram. We're on there. Chris and Rick Talk Guitars. Chris, any parting thoughts? Thank you for listening and play some guitar. Do it. All right. Until next time. Until next time.